You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1293 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. Thank you for joining us, as always, on the show, making us your first listen each and every day. Check us out on all platforms across the podcast space. That, of course, includes Spotify and Apple Podcasts, as well as YouTube, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to find your podcasts. Today's podcast is mostly going to be myself, Bill DeFilippo, talking about the Southeast Division, uh, sort of a part three of three. I talked to Bill for about two hours, actually, at the end of last week, and part one and part two are now available for you on the podcast feed of your choosing, talking about the Atlanta Division first, then the Central uh, later on, and then today, again, the Southeast Division, and of course, the Atlanta Hawks at the end of that discussion with Bill and I. Keep in mind that we recorded it about you know three or four days ago at this point in time, and the, sort of the Kevin Durant of it all transpired today with Kevin Durant, I guess, reaffirming his stance that he wants out of Brooklyn. That's more of a separate podcast for another day, but keep that in mind listening to myself and Bill later on in the show. But there is some news to hit on on this Monday into Tuesday, and I thought the Hawks made a signing on Monday, and they've added Trent Forrest to the roster as a, as a one of their two-day, two-way contracts, I should say. He joined Shawnee Brown on a two-way contract. Forrest is a 6'4 guard out of Florida State, just turned 24 years old in June. He's been on a two-way contract with the, with the Jazz, actually, the last two seasons, but uh, sort of a winning player out of Florida State, not exactly the most high-profile high guy in the world. I've always liked Trent Forrest. I did his draft work two years ago coming out of Florida State. Thought he was a draftable player then. He was converted, by the way, to a full deal with Utah back in April. It was a rest of season contract, so that's why he was available to be signed by the Hawks here in August. He was undrafted, but was an all-ACC guy at Florida State, all-defense as well at Florida State. Played in 60 games for the Jazz last year. It's a lot of games for a two-way guy to play on a, on a good team, and Utah was a good team for most of last season. Played 30 games in his rookie year for the Jazz as well. Actually made six starts last season for the Jazz. Um, pretty modest numbers for Trent Forrest only, only averaged about 12 minutes per game across two seasons with the Jazz but still played some real time 90, ga- 90 games on a good basketball team averaged like three, three points a game two assists to rebound something like that um, 57% from two in his career 85% from the line but only 10 of 53 from three in his career that's one of the big questions with Trent Forrest at this point in time for sure in fact the most prominent drawback of his profile is his lack of perimeter shooting. That was also part of the pre-draft evaluation of Trent Forrest. I did like him at that point in time, but that is the one huge question about his game is he is not a three-point shooter at this point in time. At the same time, though, he is a really good defensive player. That's a, definitely part of his appeal as a big point guard size player. You know, he's 6'4", all of 210, 215. Um, also a good ball handler and a good passer. Average about five assists per, 30, per 36 minutes in his career. So not like a huge like facilitator, but given the fact that he's more of a ball mover type. Um, I like a lot of what he does as a role player type of guard. It is a two-way deal signed in August, so keep your expectations pretty low and kind of modest here. But I think that Forrest is a really good get for that spot being opened by the Hawks. He's already kind of proven to be an NBA caliber player across two seasons, and he knows how to play. That could be uh, very reasonably helpful for this Hawks team if they needed him to play actually now. At the same time, he isn't a pure point guard because of the lack of shooting and lack of offensive punch, but I think he can play for the Hawks if they value him to right now alongside Aaron Holiday, etc. And also, I think there's a little bit of upside with Trent Forrest because of the lack of shooting that he's showed so far. If they can find his shooting stroke, there's a lot to like in his profile. Again, defensively, he is very good already and still pretty young. You know, 24 years old is uh, not like super-duper young, but on a two-way contract guy with some real development potential, 
and also sort of the polish to play now, it's a really good add in my mind for the Hawks at this point in time. Again, I've always really liked Trent Forrest. He's kind of a guy that I'm predisposed to liking. He's kind of one of those winning type of players that plays defense, moves the ball, unselfish, et cetera. The lack of shooting is a question for sure, and that's why he is available at this point. He's not going to be a star for you, but um, sort of that DeLon Wright kind of mold. Not going to be as good as DeLon Wright right now by any means, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, a player that I think, um, all things considered, with what the Hawks had to offer, which is basically a two-way contract in August, you couldn't have reasonably expected them to have, to have anybody that I thought was a better player now than Forrest. Maybe, maybe a guy that has more upside long-term, but again, I really think the, that there is some upside with Forrest if you can find a jump shot in the near future. So I think it's a good move for the Hawks. I like it quite a bit. We'll have more on that, I'm sure, as the summer continues, but that's my short thoughts on top of the podcast and uh, an A-OK move in, in my mind. And Trent Forrest in the mix alongside Shawnee Brown and, of course, Tyrese Martin on that uh, on the full contract that he got. Um, Record-even-wise, the Hawks do have one more roster spot available if they want to use it. I've about that a lot in the last couple of weeks. I think they're probably going to roll with 14 this year, if I had to guess. But they do have one more spot open if they want to sign someone. Uh, but both two-way slots filled at this point with Shawnee Brown and Trent Forrest. Okay, with all of that out of the way, we'll get to myself and Bill. One more reminder, we talked, Bill and I, about, again, like two hours last week. Most of the show is on the Southeast Division, and at the end of the podcast is going to be some Hawks talk, so stay tuned for all of that. We'll have much more later on this week. Please subscribe to the podcast, and uh, without further delay, here is myself and Bill. Bill, it's part three of three, so if everyone's listening to the podcast, it's, it'll all be over soon. Thank you for joining me once again. It's the Southeast Division. We're going to save the Hawks to the end of the show, so that if we go long, we go long on the Hawks. But uh, welcome back, my friend. Here we are. It's, uh, it's good to be back. It's been such a long time since we've been recording this podcast all at right. once. Uh, and thank you for all the time you've given me. But uh, let us begin with the reigning Southeast Division champion and number one regular, number one playoff seed, Miami Heat. And uh, Hawks fans, uh, probably not super excited to hear about the Heat since they uh, did not have a lot of success against the Heat in the, uh, in the playoffs. But Miami is – Miami, uh, they don't have a report on the roster. So let's just, let's just start yeah. there. Uh, they don't – they quite literally do not have – a starting power forward on their team. Um, I guess it's Jimmy Butler who can play there, but um, mm-hmm. what's the plan, Bill, at the four? The plan at the four seems to be funnel everything to Bam and he'll take care of it. I mean, that, that's um, definitely the plan. <laughs> and it's, I don't, like, listen, it might not be a bad plan. I, I mean, is it a worse plan than starting Duncan Robinson at the four? I mean, Probably essentially. Not. Yeah, I, I actually – this doesn't really matter that much, in my opinion, because starting lineups are overrated. But uh, I will be fascinated to see if they do that. Like, I guess in theory that would be Jimmy at the four, if you're thinking about it that way. Jimmy would be the four in that lineup with Duncan. Uh, but, um, yeah, who knows? But anyway, there was a little bit of a ripple about – you know I think it was Zach Lowe said something about them trading for John Collins, talked to them. There's nothing that the Hawks could get back from Miami in that swap, which I discussed on the podcast recently. But anyway – Zooming out a little bit, like Miami's still projected to be quite good. They're number one in the projections that have been online. 50, 50 wins projection. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't necessarily ever buy all the way in on Miami last year, but the defense is really good. They got a lot of vets. Um, Jimmy's still really good. Uh, Bam's really good. They have a lot of talent. It's just like, for whatever reason, I can't find my way to like buying all the way in. Maybe it's the age now because like Kyle's like 35 and not the same guy anymore, but how good are the Heat? I think they're a good team. I mean, I. I've gotten to a point where I just kind of trust that the Heat are going to be fine because they always seem to end up being fine. Um, The big question for me, other than one, what the hell is their plan at the four? And two, 
can they get a Kyle Lowry bounce back year is what is Tyler Hero's role going to be? Because I'm with you. I'm not, I know you're not a particularly big fan of his game. I'm not a particularly big fan of his game, but you also look at this roster and you look at the other wing slash guard types. Lowry should be better than him, but I don't know what father time is going to do. I'm a believer in Max Struess. I would probably take, I don't know if I'd say I'd take him over Hero, but no. I do think Max Struess is like a, a solid NBA player. And then it gets to like Gabe Vincent. What are you banking on with Victor Oladipo? What can you get from Caleb Martin? And there was that whole tiff during the regular, during the, you know, after they were bounced from the postseason where Tyler Hero said, I want to start. And Pat Riley, I have his quote up right here, Brad of what he told the media in response to this. <laughs> yep. The next step for him, and I think we're seeing this in the league, if you want to win a championship and you want to be a starter, you really have to become a two-way player. You have to improve in certain areas of your game. I saw improvement in his defense this year. He's got great quick feet. But as far as a starter, come to training camp and win it. Sometimes it's that easy, and sometimes the fit was better for us coming in, balancing the energy of scoring and having somebody who can – really control the ball if he wants to be a starter we'll see in october that's something you earn there is no doubt he has the qualities to be that it sure seems to me like the heat have two options here one they put tyler hero in the starting lineup or two tyler hero is going to be really happy for long stretches this season and for how much i'm out on him i also think he's like an important player in this oh team. yeah i mean the, the, and the thing is looming over all of that is that he's extension eligible and mm-hmm. I think, I mean, from what I hear, he wants, he uh, wants to be at, paid. The, at the very least, he wants Anthony Simon's money, which is a hundred million dollars. I think he wants more than Anthony Simon's got from what I understand. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, my, my hero thoughts are well documented. I am not, I'm, I'm kind of preternaturally just uh, sort of, I'm never going to like Tyler Hero's archetype. It's not my guy. That's but like, he, he is a good player, like full stop, good player, very valuable player. Uh, defensively is what it is. But yeah, there's that, and like, if they get the Kyle Lowry they got in the playoffs, they're, they're not the, they're not that good because Kyle Lowry looked to be a little bit. I hesitate to use the word washed up, but he looked he looked washed up in the playoffs. Um, yeah. Now it's it's one series, two series in the playoffs. He was he, he, there's some injury stuff, but they're not super like set up to have Kyle Lowry not be good. You know yeah, what I mean? and, I, and like I'm, I think Gabe Vincent is a really nice player. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you know. I don't think he's the kind of guy who can correct for a team that is banking on Kyle Lowry, and they come and find out Kyle Lowry is washed up. I am very interested in what they get out of Victor Oladipo this year. Um, if he is able, you know, I'm not going to say be the Victor Oladipo he was in his in his heyday in Indiana. He's not no. going like it is. You know, I, I don't even want to make a prediction. It's just straight up unfair to the dude to say he has to get back to being a guy who can average 23, 5, 4, and two and a half steals a game. That is unfair. Having said that, if he can be a guy who goes out there and gives them a solid 15 points a game, if he can fill, not run the point, but be a guy who gets the ball and makes stuff happen there, if he can be a guy who helps them out on defense, I think that's a really big boost for them. And is something that, you know, you look at the other guys they're going to be throwing out there c- consistently. Lowry, we've gone through what's up with him. 
Max Strews competes on defense. He's a big guy, still not like a stellar defender. Hero, Hero just isn't a very good defender. Jimmy Butler's Jimmy Butler. Duncan Robinson, Duncan, yeah. not, not a defender. Like, if they get anything positive out of Victor Oladipo, you know, that doesn't correct the fact that they don't really have a power forward unless, you know, Nikola Jovic comes in and stuns all of us. Not happening. But that's the sort of thing that, you know, if we are listening back to this podcast at the end of the regular season, we find the Miami Heat in first place. That's going to be a thing that we point to. Yeah, no, I I think it's totally reasonable to still have Miami be the favorite in the Southeast. I think that, you know, Hawks fans, I'm sure will think the Hawks should be, and that's okay. I, I would not surprise me if the Hawks finish with a better record than the Heat this year. That will not surprise me at all. I do think, though, that most people are going to pick the Heat to be ahead of the Hawks, and I understand yeah. why. Miami's proven it more. Um, last year they were, by the way, again, the number one seed in the East. Uh, Jimmy is, I'm done doubting Amazing. Jimmy Butler. Like I'm, I'm done doubting him at all. Like he stopped shooting threes. And it didn't just, someone didn't just, it didn't matter at all. Like he, he doesn't shoot anymore. When he does, he misses them until the playoffs. Then he makes them all. So I don't know. What and, to do and I, one thing that. I wonder with, one thing I wonder with Jimmy is that Jimmy Butler is about to turn 33 years old. I know how he is wired as a basketball player and as a competitor, but I, I, I'm interested in seeing if maybe, maybe this year Miami takes their foot off the gas a little bit and takes their foot off the gas in the regular season when it comes to riding Jimmy so much, knowing that once we get to the playoffs, we have Jimmy Butler and we're going to be okay because we have Jimmy Butler. And I think he's a guy that you put him in, you know, I don't think he's as good as Giannis. I don't think he's as good no. as KD. I don't think he's as good as those guys. But when it comes to being able to raise his game to the level of the playoffs, I think he's up there with any other guy in the league. Yeah, he also has uh, a four. He has four years remaining on his deal, and uh, mm-hmm. the last year is a fifty-two million dollar player option. So maybe if you're Miami, might want to might want to take it easy on him a little bit uh, in the yeah. meantime. Uh, so yeah, there we go on Miami. They're going to be good. We'll see how good they are. They the the, the crater at the four is. A question. Spo is really good at his job, though, so we'll see if he, see how I sort of he addresses that, and it helps to have Bam, who's very very uh, uh, malleable, to kind of plug that hole. All right, we'll get to uh, other teams in the Southeast. Of course, we'll end with the Hawks as well. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. If you haven't tried the puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor as well, and it's delicious. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to that new flavor, and it's cookie dough chunk puffs. They have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunk chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, as all Built Bars are. All the joys of being cookie dough without all the hassle of having to make it. Plus, it's actually healthy for you as well. Cookie dough chunk puffs have 160 calories. They have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them as well. Run to built.com right now. Snag a box for yourself and the family. It'll be the perfect treat. Or you can find a really good hiding place for just yourself, honestly. If you want to just keep them all to yourself, I would not blame you at all for that. Like all Built Bars, the new chunk puffs are healthy and tasty. What's great about Built is that all the bars have collagen protein as well. It helps your body to absorb them more efficiently. And they have a ton of health benefits as well. Eat something that tastes good and is actually good for you. You're going to absolutely love the cookie dough chunk puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just to grab something for your quick bite, built is a perfect protein bar across the board, and it tastes better than a candy bar. All that in a healthy package as well. Grab yourself a built bar today and go to built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 when you get there, 15% off on your order with built bar. One more time, that is promo code LOCK15, 15% off at built.com. All right, Bill, let us move on to the middle. At least they project the projected middle, and for the most part, the number three and number four teams in the Southeast. And that is Charlotte and Washington. Right now, Charlotte's 
bet on line over under is 36 and a half wins. Washington's bet on line over under is 35 and a half wins. So very, very similar in nature. Uh, Charlotte is a lot sexier than Washington is. Um, but last year was kind of a weird season for Charlotte. They didn't get a lot of stops. Of course, the Hawks beat them in the, in the, in the play-in, et cetera. Washington gets Bradley Beal back, and they have made a bunch of roster changes, including DeLon Wright. But um, do you have a preference between uh, Charlotte and Washington? Because it seems like that's three and number four in some order. God, I <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, if you just look at their off-seasons, Charlotte, Charlotte's off-season, bring in Mark Williams in their never-ending quest to figure out who the hell can play center for this. They season. have drafted like five centers in the, in, in the top 40 picks in like three years. It's insane. Bring in Bryce McGowans, who, you know, you and I are Big Ten basketball fans. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that Nebraska wasn't the best situation, but I don't think he's going to be a guy who helps them right away. They no. re-signed Cody Martin. He's a nice basketball player. And then obviously there's the really unfortunate thing of Miles Bridges. Yeah, there's a chance and, he never plays basketball. And just candidly speaking, uh, we Bill and I agree that was a, that's a horrible situation. Uh, mm-hmm. Basketball wise, the reason why they're one of the reasons why they're over under is lower than you might think is because I think that builds in bridges not playing. Um, I think if they had bridges, that number would be higher because we saw the Hornets last year um, be better than this number is. So, like, I I am guessing, I don't don't know that for sure, but just knowing how betting markets work, there's no way that that factors in bridges playing, nor should it. I think he shouldn't. He shouldn't play. Uh, That's my opinion. Um, And I I don't think he's going to play for the Hornets at least anytime soon. So, Anyway, that is part of why, because like if they had bridges, they're better than Washington, I think. But like, I don't want to talk about bridges. It's bad Same. and he shouldn't play and all that stuff. Um, right. So, yeah, as far as it, 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 but it does kind of throw a wrench into things when it comes to Charlotte's projection, because. And they, one other thing, one other thing with Charlotte, they fired James Borrego. Who had done, I think, a pretty nice job there, Steve and then Lillard. hired Kenny, and then hired Kenny Atkinson, who yeah. then went, "Wait a minute, no, I'm not leaving the Golden State Warriors," and went, "Fine, we know Steve Clifford's unemployed." Really? We'll, we'll he, hire and, he, Clifford. and listen, he's Steve Clifford is a totally solid NBA head coach. He's proven to be that, but like that's he's a lot different than James Borrego. I don't know what they're going to run an offense like he uh, Lamelo Ball does not strike me as a Steve Clifford guy. Just, I'm just saying. <laughs> no. I'm, not, I'm not saying anything bad no. about Lamelo, but those guys don't seem to like have the same basketball philosophy in a lot of ways. So, like between that and the absence of the guy that they were hoping was going to be their, their best forward moving forward, like they have some questions on their roster. Mm-hmm. Gordon Hayward's still good, and he's there, but he seems to be hurt half the time. Um, yeah, and, and the center spot, which we kind of talked about before, is just kind of a rotating door. I, honestly, this is going to sound kind of crazy from where I usually am on Washington, but. I think Washington mm-hmm. is better than Charlotte. Like right now, when you when you take Bridges off Charlotte's roster, I think Washington is like a safer bet to be pretty good, even acknowledging that like I'm not high on Washington either. But like in, generally speaking, I think Washington got better in the offseason, um, whereas Charlotte very obviously did not get better. Like Washington, uh, I didn't love the uh, the Barton, Morris, KCP trade for anybody, but like Morris is – Better than what they had. At, um, better than what they had. They dropped Johnny Davis, who uh, did not have a good summer league, but I still kind of like. Um, they bring in Delon Wright, who obviously I'm in love with. Uh, Taj Gibson is on this team. Like they did lose KCP, who I do like a lot, but like I think Washington is better with Monty Morris 
in particular than they were last year with whatever else they had. And Beal's, Beal's on the team. Like, Beal, um, for all of his um, faults, is like a number, number one option. He's right now today the best player in either one of these teams. And they, have, and they still have Morzingis, who was pretty good last year, kind of quietly. So Yeah, and like you look at what, you know, this team's starting rotation – could be, should be, you know, well, this is all subject to a million things happening. And you kind of just compare them one by one. Like, well, Melo is obviously better than Monty Morris. But then you look at the rest of it. Bradley Beal is a better basketball player than Terry Rozier. Yes. Gordon Hayward is a better basketball player than Will Barton. But, like, I'm, like, if you want to bet on Gordon Hayward being healthy, God bless you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, PJ Washington versus Kyle Kuzma, like, I was really low on Kuzma early in his career, and I've been really impressed with how he's Me adapted too. his game. Yep, I take him over. Uh, I take him over Washington every day right now. And then at yep. center, you know, I don't love Porzingis, but I love him more than Mason Plumley and Mark Williams. Yeah, so and also like, they're and they're also deeper. I and mean, that's that's the, that's the weirdest thing about this is like Washington. Right, they've not done a great job drafting as far as like upside is concerned, but like. Those are, you, you, you listen to the, yeah. the top five guys on the roster. Their bench is pretty okay at the moment. Yeah, like they have they have Delon Wright, they have Denny, they have Corey Kispert, they have Daniel Gafford, who's like a real player. Daniel Gafford would start for the Hornets at center. Yeah, I completely agree. Rui Hachimura like is you know a, a young guy with some talent. I, Johnny Davis, I I don't think Johnny Davis is going to be a star or anything, but I think he's a guy who can turn into a serviceable NBA rotation player. Um, so yeah, give, give me, the, give me the, you know what, Bill, I'm even more, I'm even more entrenched now. Yeah. They're, be- they're better than, they're better than the Hornets. I think the more we've talked about that and like so much of it with the Hornets, if Lamella wasn't on this team, it would be, I gross. would legitimately, I would legitimately say this is one of the three to five worst rosters in no, basketball. Like, I, I agree. I agree with you. I will say this. Um, we kind of just mentioned Steve Clifford before. The one, the one positive for this is that Steve Clifford, God bless him, has turned some rosters that had no business in mm-hmm. defending into defensive teams that were a pretty, pretty solid. And if he could fix their defense, that is maybe this the, the curveball yeah. here is that Charlotte has scored at a high level the last year yeah, and a half. Yeah. You put um, you Lamel, you put Lamelo on the floor, you're going to score. Yeah, so that's. The the counter argument to what I said, like I I I do like Washington's roster like one to ten better than Charlotte's, but if Clifford does his magic wand routine and fixes their defense and makes them league average, then it might be Charlotte. So like, long story short, these teams are close together for a reason. Like you can kind of see it on all sides. Um, you know, I wish we'd have to talk about Miles Bridges ever again, honestly. Same. But uh, so we'll put that aside. But it's just like, I think what I will say lastly about these two teams is like the Hawks are soundly better than both of them i think mm-hmm. um and that, that's that's reflected in the projections as well but and like division race doesn't really matter but as far as like playoff teams are concerned like i have charlotte and washington in the same group as like the knicks or um uh maybe maybe teams like chicago something like that but like i think they're kind mm-hmm. of in this like you're hoping for the plan and i there's no real path for either of these teams to not make the plan I think like those, whereas like teams like Charlotte, not, not Charlotte, uh, Cleveland and Chicago, we discussed in the Central Division preview, they have like a r- semi-realistic path to be a succeed. Yeah. I don't see that path for Charlotte or Washington. Yeah, I, I'm, 
I'm inclined to agree with that. I mean, the, the only way I might change my tune on Washington is if they somehow go out and make a huge trade. And like they, they have, do. I mean, they, they have a ton. They have a ton of young guys. I believe they have most, if not all, of their draft capital. So like, and Beal Beal is locked yeah. in forever now. So uh, they, they have Beal, that. Brad Brad Bradley Beal one like Bradley Beal should invite his agent over for dinner on Christmas every year for the rest of time. Like that that was some real good agenting. No uh, trade clause and all that stuff. Agent. And also like, you and I are not the Porzingis guys, but he is very clearly the third best player of these two teams combined. It is, uh, it is Beal, it is LaMelo. And then it's very clearly Porzingis. Like I love Gordon Hayward, but current Gordon Hayward is not as good as Porzingis is. So like, if you're going to add it that way, you could argue that they have the best and third best players of these two teams. Um, And if KP is healthy, like he was pretty good for Washington last year. Like as much as I don't love him, like he showed some stuff that I was not expecting once, once he got there and got healthy. So like, there's at least that little bit of a, of a, of a window into what it could be. If it was like, if he's just plays 70 games and plays well. Agreed. I mean, I, it's weird. The more we've talked about this, the more I've like talked myself into Washington, maybe being like a solid, not like good, but like a, a yeah, they're, they're, they're okay. No, I mean, they really are. Yeah. If, if they went, if they went 42 and 40, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Like, yeah. And you look, this team has made, the playoffs one time in the last four years after like there were, there was the run at, you know, kind of the peak of those John wall and Bradley Beal backcourt years where this was not just like a good basketball team. They were dangerous. They were, a team no, that, like, they, they, they pushed the hall. I mean, people, people forgot. Yeah. I, I wasn't doing the podcast then I was, I was covering the team. Um, they pushed the 61 Hawks in the second round. Yeah, Like wall got hurt. But that was that was a competitive series against a good sixty, like obviously a really good Hawks team, um, at the height of the Wall Beal era. So no, I'm I'm with you 100 percent on that. I mean they're yeah. they're not that good now, but like they have a guy. Listen, this is a, a team that has a bunch of guys I like, like just guys mm-hmm. like my guys. You know, Delon speaks for itself, but like <laughs> Money Morris is good. Like Money Morris is not like a top ten point guard in the league or anything like that, but he's a good basketball player. Denny, he will not give the other team the basketball ever. No, Denny Denny's a good basketball player. Daniel Gafford is like. If you want to call, if you want to treat him like a backup center, which is what he is in this team, he's a fantastic backup center. Like he's really good um, as a rotation level guy. Uh, even Kuzma, like I've never mm-hmm. been a huge Kuzma guy, but Kuzma's good now. Like he plays defense now and does things. And yeah, I uh, I kind of buy Washington. I was like, at least it's a solid team. Upside wise, I don't really see it, but like just being respectable, they're decently coached. Like, sure, sign me up. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say it. This was with Charlotte. I'm very interested in whether or not Steve Clifford is a guy who coaches for more if he's just a band-aid on for a year because they know he'll do a job. Uh, even if it's you know a band-aid for two years because they know he'll do a job. It seemed like just the process of hiring him was really weird and like very, very weird. Yeah. It was like I'm it was like uh Steve's not coaching anywhere. I wonder if he'll take our call. And then he was just signed. And like mm-hmm. that day, it was a yeah weird one for sure. Um, for sure. Quickly, Bill, before we get to some, to some Hawk stuff at the end, uh, Orlando's in their own tier in this division. Let's um, go. They do have a higher over-under than Indiana does, which is uh, – <laughs> They that, they I, I will give Orlando this. Orlando has more NBA players who I think are like passable 
than Indiana does. So I get it. Yeah, no, I, I do too. And it's also the one of the funnier um, salary caps that you'll ever see in your life. They have seven players making between 10.3 and 17.4 million this year. Seven. Wow. That doesn't usually happen that way. For them. Usually, usually have somebody in the 20s. They have no one in the 20s. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, obviously it's, it's Paolo. They're going to build around Paolo. They drafted him under the shadow of, I don't know what they were doing with that whole thing. Cause they just, they, if you're number one on the board, you could just take the guy you want. You don't have to like disguise it. Alas. Um, he's going to be very good. We'll talk about him in a second. Um, they didn't do a ton else other than just like bring back Mo Bamba and Gary Harris. But like Orlando has a bunch of quality basketball players. I don't know how good yeah. they're going to be this year. Probably not very good because you know, they still don't have guys that are like proven. There's like the weirdness of like Jonathan Isaac's still on this team. You have Markel Fultz on this team. Um, Terrence Ross is still on this team who was bad last year. Uh, I don't know what to make of any. I mean, the Mo Bamba deal was very strange, like a two-year deal with a non-guarantee for, I don't know. Was, he's making real money, but it's a, I don't know. Well, those, they're very weird, but I, I'm excited to see Paolo and Franz play together. Yeah. So I mean, I, you and I were at summer league together you we and, were you and i you and i sat next to each other basically all summer league we sure uh, did which make which makes the fact that you did not get the covid that i got really impressive uh i, but, wore, I wore my mask baby I, I was i was masked up so did i that was why it's so weird brad uh <laughs> but yeah the, the the entire thing and i mentioned this to you during summer league i mentioned it to robbie during summer league martin during summer league that first game that we saw Paolo played i know knew that he was a big guy it wasn't until I saw him in person yep. that it really like clicked in my brain how big this guy is and how I had the same thing in the final four. Same thing in the final yeah. four. I was I was uh, walking around, not like my seat wasn't like in the San Vicini seat on actual courtside, but I had a good I had a good seat. But also like just pregame, like kind of being close to him, and I'm like that guy is absolutely enormous. Paolo is all mm-hmm. every bit of six ten to fifty two sixty. Like he is huge. And huge. I was I, I was talking with someone at Summer League about this. It'll it'll obviously be different when he's going up against every NBA guys, but Paolo's ability to get the ball on the perimeter and through skill and size and sheer force of will get to the free throw line, cause guys on defense to collapse and try to help on him and see. Okay, guy coming up from the corner, I have someone wide open down there, and make that pass. Like, I know his game – I knew he had that f- good feel as a passer, and I know, obviously, what he could do as a scorer. I was very impressed by that. I don't – one thing that I think this Magic team really lacks is – and has lacked for quite some time is a guy they could just give the ball to and say, do something and make it work for us. And – you know, I believe in Markel Fultz still. I, you know, it's not as the number one overall pick that he was. Sure. You know, grading him on a different curve than I was when he was in Philly, uh, or when he first went to Philly, mind you. Uh, I, you know, still believe in Jalen Suggs, like we mentioned on uh, on the last podcast we did with Jaden Ivey. Rookie guards just struggle in the NBA, and Suggs still has plenty of stuff in his game that I like. But I don't know if either of those guys – I know Franz Wagner isn't this guy, which isn't a, an insult because I think he's just an outstanding complimentary piece. 
none of the guys that they have had in Orlando for quite some time are the kind of guys who are capable of winning them basketball games, are capable of being so good that they are legitimately putting themselves in the all-star and maybe the all-NBA conversation and can be the legitimate number one on a playoff team. And I think Paolo Vanchero can be that kind of guy. And for all that we're talking about with them having the lowest over-under in the division, not surprised by that, I would also take their future, their next five years, definitely over the Wizards, definitely, definitely over uh, the Hornets. You know, that end of that five years may be over the Heat. God knows what happens. Yeah, I mean, they, then they the have – The are weird at that point. If you buy Paolo as a potential star, mm-hmm. like they obviously had the benefit of winning the lottery, but that's half the battle. I mean, if you have the guy, well, it's like they, you start comparing to them to they're, they're more like Detroit in terms of like their future path. I would still rather have K than Paolo personally at this yeah, moment in time. Totally but fair. Um, when you have the number one overall pick and you get, take the guy you want, if you buy Paolo, that is a huge, huge, huge thing to have that. Like you just said, they haven't had. I mean, Suggs was there was the guy that they were. I mean, he, and he still has real upside too. But yeah. yeah, throughout this whole weird, they had a rebuild that kind of went to the eight seed and never any higher than that. And now they're mm-hmm. doing it again. They never had this guy. That that guy was. I mean, Paolo is the best prospect they've had the entire time. So like, yeah, he's, the, he's actually, their best prospect since Dwight Howard, and it's not even close. Yeah, for how much? I mean, for how like solid and reliable of a player Nikola Vucevic was for years and yeah, made I mean, all-star no games, that sort of thing. Like Paolo laps him. Oh, for sure. And I mean, yeah, I, I love Franz too. Like Franz is going to be awesome. He already is really, he was really good last year, but oh, he's fantastic. not the star upside guy that, that Paolo is. So yeah, I, uh, I'm excited. Oh. I'm excited to watch Orlando. Yeah. Franz is a guy you need on your team if you want to win a championship. And I'm obviously yes. not saying that in the next, two, three, five, whatever years, the Orlando Magic are winning a championship. But if we get to the end of this decade and the Orlando Magic are a championship contender, it is going to be because they have Franz, in part because they have Franz Wagner on their team. And of course, stuff like, you know, uh, Jalen Suggs hits and turns into a really good guard, Markel Fultz, whatever. Oh, I have have one thing that just uh, give them the nod on also. Um, They absolutely smashed the Vooch trade with Charlotte, with, with Chicago killed it. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, you know, Franz was the big prize of that deal. Wendell Carter is probably better than Vooch on his own. Yeah. Wendell, right now? You, a lot of people don't realize it because no one watched the goddamn Orlando magic last year, <laughs> but Wendell Carter last year, 15 points, 10.5 rebounds shot 52.5% from the field. I mean, he was it was a weird trade because like I never thought he was bad with the bulls. I thought he was okay. The farthest I was willing to go was he needs a change of scenery, but it is very weird to me as we're starting to look back on this and we're starting to see, you know, him get, he shot, took 11 field goal attempts per game last year that was the most of his career by two shots a game. He took 3.5 threes per game last year. Orlando, he never took more than one a game. It's weird seeing that he, and, and you know, throw my hands in the air, very possible. <laughs> well, it's just because he's now in a situation where be on a team that sucks. Like some guys straight up need that. And then some guys are like Ben Simmons and never get that. But 
maybe he just needed to be on a team that sucks to start to find himself. But it's starting to look more and more bad in retrospect that the Chicago Bulls, which could really use a guy like Franz Wagner and would probably like to have what Wendell Carter did last season on their basketball team over what Nikola Vucevic did last year, be in this situation. Okay, Bill, it's time for some Atlanta Hawks talk. Let's do it. Have you, uh, uh, so do you, do you, uh, normally talk about them or? Yeah, occasionally on this locked on Atlanta Hawks podcast. Oh, um, I missed that part. Okay. I can throw the, uh, the notes away. I don't really need any notes for this one. <laughs> uh, obviously we don't have to go crazy here cause uh, I talk about them all the time, but, uh, as someone who does not cover the Hawks every single day, but also covers the Hawks in the broader sense, uh, what have you made of what they have done? Because, uh, you know, they of course had the breakout two years ago, conference finals run last year, a little bit disappointing, um, they add to Jonte Murray as the headliner, but what, what, what are your off season, uh, observations from this team? I, you, you know, I've been really interested because I was thinking about when, when you told me, Hey, you want to do this tonight? I, I started thinking about the Dejounte Murray trade and how they gave up. What was it? Three first round picks, three firsts and a swap. Yes. Three firsts and a swap. I'm very interested if they wait two weeks to try and make that trade and they do it after Rudy Gobert gets traded for everything. Because I think the I think the conventional wisdom at the time was the Hawks gave up a lot to get DeJounte Murray. But I wonder how it would have how different that looks if it's happening after Rudy Gobert goes for 75 first round picks plus the guy <laughs> who went in the first round this year and the guy who went in the first round last year and three other rotation players. So, yep. As time's gone on, I've liked that trade a little bit more. I, I think it does look better now than it did then. I will say that just yes, for like, I think DeJounte Murray is a really good basketball player. I don't hardly think he's a perfect player. I think he's, a guy who is going to help the Hawks out. I think is a really nice compliment next to Trey Young. Uh, what was it? The two of them and John Collins played in a pro-am this weekend or something like that. So yeah, I they, like they played that. In, the, uh, in the Crawford, in the Crawford uh, Seattle pro-am. Yeah. So I like that they are starting to build up that chemistry because like for how wonderful the basketball player is, Trey is a flawed basketball player. And I think DeJounte Murray is a guy who helps him with some of those flaws, his ability, you know, he averaged 9.2 assists per game last year. He's a really good distributor. And one thing that I, I think that's going to really help Trey because so how many times in the last, however many years has Trey been on the floor and he's the guy initiating the offense. Cause they just like, don't really have anyone else who would do it at a high enough level. His defensive capabilities means he's going to be able to go out there, take the opposing team's best guard. He's going to be out there, presumably, you know, knock on wood, he is healthy with DeAndre Hunter, and the two of them can shoulder a lot of the defensive load. I just did the thing where I knocked on wood and it scared my dog, so I apologize for that. Um, yeah, and I, I, I think the one thing that's been missing from Trey's game above everything else, and, you know, if you want to compare him to Steph in any way, I think this is ultimately the single biggest way, other than, you know, Steph's four inches taller, that they're different – Steph Curry is at his most dangerous a lot of the time when he does not have the basketball, when he can run around, when he could spot up, when you can lose track of him. And Draymond Green usually is able to run the offense and get him the ball. One thing that we've kind of missed out of Trey is him being a guy who he's able to give someone else the ball. They're able to run an offense where he's constantly moving, running off of screens and getting himself open and getting those kinds of easy looks. So I'm very interested in seeing if DeJounte Murray can 
be a guy who provides that for him and how Trey responds to that. Because obviously, you know, this is DeJounte Murray's an all-star Trey. This is Trey's basketball team will continue to be. Uh, I think losing Gallo is fine. Uh, I like Kevin Herter and that trade was a little bit odd to me. Uh, did, did they get a pick for that? I can't remember. Yeah, it's the uh, it's it's a deal where it was billed as a first round pick, and it probably will be a first round pick. But it's one of those. But, it's yeah. it's the Kings. Could be two seconds. So it could yeah. become seconds. And if that happens, then it's not the greatest value in the world. But um, it's it's hard to yeah. project because basically every team in the league, other than the Kings, you'd be like, oh, that's that's, that's that'll, that'll convey. But it's the Kings. So. <laughs> but yeah, the thing with that trade was that I I came into this summer thinking the thing the Hawks need to do is consolidate. The thing the Hawks need to do is take the fact that they have, you know, 13 or 14 NBA players and take two of those, two or three of those, and turn them into one good player. And instead they turn Kevin Herter into two players, lost DeLon Wright, which, like, I think that's a huge loss. I think DeLon Wright's just such a professional basketball player. Uh, in terms of he is a professional, I'm not stating the obvious that he plays professional basketball. Uh, like Although everyone does. who, like everyone who covers the NFL does when they call guys a football player. Uh, and then otherwise they're running this back. It seems like John Collins being here does surprise me uh, as I'm sure it surprises you, but otherwise what you're basically asking is assuming Bogdan Bogdanovich can get healthy, assuming Deandre Hunter is able to stay healthy. Do I feel better about a Hawks team that turn Kevin Herter, DeLon Wright, and, you know, we'll throw Danilo Gallinari in there for DeJounte Murray, Justin Holiday, a few, Mo Harkless, a few other nice pros, and then getting AJ Griffin in? And I think I do. I don't think it makes them a championship contender in the Eastern Conference, but I also like don't think that matters because Giannis is still in the Eastern Conference and the Celtics are still the Celtics. So, I think they're going to be a really good basketball team. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's about what I you know would say as well. And like the way I put it is like this is the most talent they've had in the Trey Young era. And I also think that there are some pretty obvious like questions, not necessarily like fatal flaws, but like they lost a lot of shooting on the roster. Um, I think offensively, it's still going to be good. Like they're going to score. Yeah. It's, if you have Trey and anybody around him, you're going to have a good offense basically. And I think that the um, the idealized, healthy version of this team defensively should be notably better. Um, just having having Murray on his own should help quite a bit defensively. And you throw in, you know, hopefully more Hunter, less Gallo. Um, Herter, I think, is not terrible defensively, but not going to – obviously, Murray's a lot better. Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that alone, like, the depth is a little bit concerning. Like, what you said, like – you know, Mo Harkless is an interesting player that they brought in, but it, for, for the most part, it's a herder for holiday swap there. And you lose the lawn and um, you do plug in Murray to the backup point guard minutes, but they don't have a lot of room for error at some, at certain positions. Like if bogey is not himself and healthy, they don't have a ton of shooting. Like he's kind of the guy they just need desperately to be there for shooting purposes on the, on the, on the wing. Um, and then, you know, without Gallo, you're turning to Jalen Johnson, who I like and, might be good, mm -hmm. but we don't, we don't know that for sure. He hasn't played really at all. So I don't know. It's a, it's a team that like the over under right now has kind of gone down a little bit, actually it opened 47 and a half. It's down to 46 as we record this podcast. That does surprise me. I think there's a lot of, um, for the most part, positive momentum for the Hawks. 
I'm not sure who's betting the under, but somebody is. I don't think it's Hawks fans yeah. who I think um, – I, I picked the Hawks um, kind of generally speaking with uh, with Josh Lloyd the other day to be in that like 5-6 range. People got mad at me for being too low on them. So it's like, you know, I think the consensus is the Hawks are going to be in that 5 or 6 range for most people. Yeah. Like if that changes, it changes. But I don't think barring trades or injuries that you'll see many people project them to finish ahead of – the likes of Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, or Miami. And Miami's the one I could see being picked off the easiest. I think you and I talked about like some of the reasons why Miami's not the greatest thing in the world. But uh, given what happened last year and the spread there and the first-round series between those two teams and Miami's general trust factor for people, like there's a reason why, Haw- why the Hawks right now, as far as over-unders are concerned, are number five in the East. And that is with nothing for Brooklyn. If Katie's in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. you'll probably see them slotted ahead of the Hawks a lot of times too. So like somewhere yeah. in that four to seven range is like kind of what I think is going to happen. They have some upside too. I mean, if, if Murray just comes in, hits the ground running and they find their legs from two years ago, like they have a lot of upside still. They have an, they have a bunch of good players. It's just not a, it's kind of an interesting situation because we, just haven't, we haven't seen Murray in the system. It's a, it's all yeah. new. Let me, let me ask you this. Uh, I'll put you on the spot here. Uh, One situation that really, one situation that interests me with this team, uh, Clint Capella starting center Onyeka Okongwu right behind him. Yep. I know coming out of college, you and I, like irrespective of him getting drafted by the Hawks, you and I were both really big Onyeka Okongwu fans. Yep. I think that what Capella gives them defensively and what he does as a guy in pick and roll with Trey and his ability to just go right to the basket and catch lobs is it. How, how do you see that situation bearing itself out? Because at the same time, it's year three of a guy you spent the number six pick (laughs) on. And it's a guy that every, I think basically anyone you talk to goes, yeah, we think he's going to be a pretty good basketball player. So how do you think that all sorts itself out? Yeah. I I, I bet Hawks fans are laughing because it's one of those like, perpetual topics people ask about and it's like i don't have a great answer i think that when they did the combination of the capella trade and the okongwu pick if you told me the night the night of the draft when they they, they took okongwu number six overall that he would still be the backup center on august something 2022 i would have said that was not a good sign for his performance more so than anything else but the thing is he's been good when he's yes. played. So like the combination of him playing well and still being the backup in year three is very odd. And it's basically because Capella was too good in a lot of ways. Like mm-hmm. in two years ago, Capella was a top five defensive player of the year candidate. Like he was that good two years ago, last year, not quite as good, but like you mentioned it earlier in your pick and roll comment, like that's the undervalued thing. You know, Hawks fans kind of just remember Capella missing layups sometimes and kind of being a clumsy offensive player on the rim. And I get that. But like Trey Young will tell you, and it was even reported, you know, behind the scenes in the offseason, like Trey loves Capella because Capella sets incredible screens. He is incredible in terms of like chemistry as a pick and roll player. Uh, he's He has so many reps with Harden and Trey now, obviously. Like he's super valuable to a lead guard. And Okongwu, obviously, is going to be good at that too, but he's it's, it's different. He's, he's not the same craft as Capella because he's a 20-year-old and he's 6'8". He's not, he's not quite as big as Capella. Rebounding-wise, Capella laps him in that way. And obviously, Okongwu has other strengths. Like, he's better on the perimeter. He's more athletic than Capella is at this point in time, et cetera. So, like, yeah, I mean, no one 
even the biggest Capella fan, which might be me, honestly, would tell you like, this is a great allocation of resources. Like you don't draft a guy who you and I just said, like we both loved in college. I still love him in a Kongwu. You don't draft that guy. And then year three, slot and be a backup because at center, you can't play those guys together. You just, you mm-hmm. can't really do it. So like, it's a really weird situation and everybody knows it. I just think that like they, they realize how good Capella has been for them and how much Trey values him. And they just don't want to like give him away, but like it's kind of time to make a decision. They just haven't done it yet. I'm not sure if it's going to be this season. Um, you know, year four would be even crazier. Like Capella signed for three more years. Like yeah. you can't. It, it's so it's it's bizarre because they gave Capella the extension too. So long story short, they either have to pray that Akongwu can like figure out a way to shoot and maybe play a little bit more four, or they have to make a decision. And I think more likely the latter because even if even if a Kongu could suddenly shoot a solid corner three, which could happen in the next year, that wouldn't shock me. Yeah. You still don't want to, I, I think he's still a center. Like you could play, you know, you could fake it with him at the four, but by the way, they still have John Collins. Like. Yeah. They have, they have John Collins. They have a guy in, you know, like you mentioned, Jalen Johnson, who has some promise. Like they, they have such a lot. They have it's such a weird. log jam, a potential log jam at the four that, like, even considering playing Okongwu there, it's just like. Yeah. Well, and I also think that like Okongwu, Okongwu, and Collins fit very well together in theory because the thing about Okongwu is obviously the limited size, so you you would want a bigger, more traditional four next to him which John Collins is like one of the knocks on Collins is that he's more of an old school four, and like, he's got, mm-hmm. he's, he's that kind of like four and a half guy, but like, he's a good rebounder. He can do a little bit of the backside rim protection stuff. Those guys fit very well together. And I, you know, not to go do the whole thing again, but like Collins has kind of made it work with Capella too. So um, it's a good problem to have, to have two good centers. Like mm-hmm. most teams only have zero or one, um, but it's, you know, the way I said it before, I wonder if you agree with this is like, if you said, okay, Take the 48 minutes, I want to stress, the 48 minutes of center play in the league. I don't know how many teams you'd rather have than the Hawks. I think you probably would have to take Denver and Philly just because of those two guys. You know, Jokic and and Beat are just so, so, so good that no matter who the backup is, you take those guys. But honestly, the Hawks might might be third in the league in terms of 48 minutes of center play between Capella and Hawks. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I hadn't thought of that. But, yeah, you know, I'm looking at – you know, just a general list of NBA teams right now. And like, I mean, maybe like Boston last year in the playoffs when, you were, when, they, were, when, they, were, yeah. when they were playing Al there. But like, even then, like Robert Williams, uh, as of last season, was not a better player than Capella. Like maybe by the end, he, maybe by the end of the year he was. But like, I don't know. It's just really, a Kongu, to put it even more plainly, like is a Kongu the best backup center in the league? He probably is. Yeah, I mean, unless you think like, Unless you want to classify like Jaron Jackson Jr. as Steve yeah, Adams I mean there there are definitely yeah there are definitely yeah. guys who who play the five some as a backup center like like that's a great example of Jaron Jackson or you mm-hmm. know Al Horford or whoever you want to say that like but as far as like my only job is to be the backup center. Sure. I think Congo was probably sure. the best player in the league at, at doing that. And yeah, he's, and, he's overqualified for that role. Obviously, right? And then you run into the issue. Uh, that like NFL teams run into when they have a good backup quarterback, which is at a certain point exactly. your backup quarterback wants to be a starting quarterback, and it's interesting just for all and the it's, reasons. It's that, also the one spot, yeah. like it's the one spot you can't play those guys together. Like maybe maybe right. other, maybe the other example is like two small point guards, but even yeah. then, that, that's easier to do than two centers in the modern NBA. Yeah, like, like the Cavs, Cavs play Darius Garland and Colin Sexton together, so like yeah, makes sense. 
I, I do think, again, like if a Kongwu can figure out a way to shoot a little bit, you can maybe fake it with them every once in a while. But I, I am still very, very staunchly someone who believes that Kongwu is a center and like mm-hmm. trying to make him into a four to play with Capella does not do him any service. Like obviously you want him to expand his horizons and become a, a better player like that on the perimeter and stuff like that. But it's that's ultimately to make him a better center than it is to Agreed. make him a better power forward. So agree. Anyway. And yeah, like I, I'm, I'm, it's one of those situations I really am interested to see bear out because you look at the Hawks, Trey and DeJounte Murray, you know, there's a little bit of intrigue in how they're going to fit together. But like, I, I think the two of them are going to fit together like a glove. Like, I'm not concerned about that at all. Like DeAndre Hunter and Bogdan Bogdanovich, they stay healthy fine. Like, I'm not, I don't really have huge concerns with either of them. Although I would like to, I would like to see Hunter take a bit of a step forward. He's another one of those guys who yeah, I was very high on uh, when he was coming into the league, despite the fact that uh, I like to razz you about Virginia basketball every now and then. Um, and it, you know, maybe it's just injuries, but it just kind of feels like he's, maybe it's injuries, maybe it's just where he is in the Hawks rotation. It does feel like, uh, I don't want to say I expected more from him by now, but looking at his numbers last year, 13.4 points, 3.3 rebounds, 1.3 assists. Like that's not great. I would, I'd like to see a little bit more out of him. I want to know what John Collins is going to do. If he does end up staying with the Hawks this season after an entire off season of everyone thinking John Collins was (laughs) both very much on the trade block and was not going to be on the Hawks. Yeah, he was, he was, he he was very available. Let's just say very extremely available. And as of now, he's still on the Hawks. Maybe, maybe that changes who ends up knowing. So the big, like that is the big question does turn into the big question for me. And it's like, is our own Yeko Okongwu and Clint Capella going to be able to, what is on Yeko Okongwu going to take such a step forward that, they're going to look at Clint Capella getting a two-year contract extension. I mean, being under contract for the next three years, and suddenly go, oh damn, uh, this is a bit of a problem because this Onyeko Okongwu guy is very, very good. Like I'm a, I'm a huge believer in him. I know you are, and I like, I want to see how this bears out. Uh, just one, que- one more question on that. Uh, I'm now interviewing you on your podcast. Uh, when is, when is Okongwu slated to? hit free agency in relation to Capella's deal. Like uh, before would, would that, that would be during the final year of it. Uh, so a con can be extension eligible next okay. summer. And then he'd be uh, a free agent in 24, um, which is the, which is the year before Capella's deal ends. So okay. they have to decide on a con as Capella is entering his final season of his contract. If he's still on the roster. Okay. Yeah, so this, the, the summer of 24 is uh, is a Kongwu's uh, RFA year if it comes to that. So we'll see. So so it's one of the like potentially bad news for Okongwu. It's one of the situations that could push off for two years. Yeah, I, that's. Uh, I, I actually have a question. I'll probably answer this uh, later in the summer because I, as, as you all know, we have to have some content later in the summer. But uh, <laughs> somebody asked me the other day about Kongwu's extension for a year from now, and it's like. Man, I I'd love to know what he might look for, what he might ask for, what he might command, but it's entirely based on how much he plays this year and like mm-hmm. what he looks like. And I just I have no idea. So we'll see. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I mean, the the worst case scenario is that you know we just talked about Wendell Carter Jr. a minute ago. He just finds himself in the same spot where it's like he just needs a change of scenery at a certain point. Nope, but, can't allow that. Can't allow that, Bill. Can't. can't, think, can't you know, listen. Think, fingers crossed for the listeners of this wonderful podcast that that does not happen. Agreed. 
All right, Bill, you give me a bunch of time and I really, really appreciate it. So uh, before we sign off here, please plug all of what you do after, you know, almost two hours of podcasting. We should owe you a couple of uh, downloads for your uh, Penn State podcast. That's right. That's right. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Bill DeFilippo. Uh, if you are a Penn State fan or even just a Big Ten or college football fan, and you want to listen to uh, idiots talk about that. Uh, the <laughs> podcast is called Roar Lions Roar. Uh, I will certainly... Uh, say mean things about Brad's beloved reigning Big Ten champion, Michigan Wolverines. Uh, and then, uh, of course, everything, uh, as I'm sure Brad mentions, it, like has mentioned plenty of times, uh, Up yes. Rock Sports, Dime, follow along with the stuff we got going on there. Uh, NBA season's, uh, you know, training camp's only about a month and a half away. So uh, we have, you know, it's, uh, it's creeping up on us. And hopefully by then, Kevin Durant is traded and I – you know, I can't, don't have to speak in hypotheticals anymore. We have content coming always, but uh, yeah, sincere, sincere, thanks you, sincere thank you to Bill, as I am uh, probably too tired to keep talking at this point in time, but thank you, Bill, for being here. As for everybody else, please subscribe to this podcast, check out Bill's work across the board, and we'll see you all next time.